1: Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel
0: podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Steph on Never Told You, production of iHeartRadio.
1: Okay, Annie, I have to ask you a question. And this is going to date me a little bit because I was trying to remember all about this information. But did you ever watch when PBS or in Georgia's GBS, uh, when they would do the little telethons to raise money for their network um, and then they would have special uh, viewings of things? Did you watch any of those? Do you know what I'm talking about? I know what you're talking about. I don't believe
0: I ever watched that. I watched shows on PBS. Right. But I don't think I watched what you're specifically saying, which is like a... Kind of special to raise money, right? Right,
1: right. So what they would do is you would watch a series. So Les Mis happened to be one that I loved, and they would do a whole viewing of an entire of the entire. uh, I guess it was more of a singing. It wasn't the actual play. They would just come up on stage and sing, and it was beautiful. And then they would interrupt it every thirty minutes with a thirty-minute segment of them um, trying to raise money, and then tell you you can buy. This VHS set Mm -hmm. for a pledge. So, if you were to pledge $500 or $100 a month, they would send you this with a tote and all these things. I never got this. I was very sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I have distinct memories in watching these and being very excited, except not excited about the telethon part, uh, Mm -hmm. but being very excited that they would show something that I loved. And I will tell you, one of the things that I loved is what we're going to be talking about today. And I'm just so excited, yes. uh, which is the CBC or the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation uh, version of and of Green Gables. Uh, and this is how I first watched it was on a PBS uh, telethon. And I'm like, oh, my God. This is exciting, and it happens once <laughs> a year, and it happened in my teenage years, early years to the U.S., um, and, you know, growing up in a very small town, we only had three channels available, literally mm-hmm. Channel 2, Channel 5, and Channel 8, so we had ABC, CBS, and PBS, didn't have NBC, that was too fancy for us,
0: Oh, just mm-hmm. so you know.
1: Mm -hmm. That's what we had, Um, and yes, my favorite time of the year would be the telethon, which they would put on these shows, which is like a two-day stretch of the 1985 classic, because they would continue on, and hopefully we will also continue on, with the sequels that Kevin Sullivan, the writer-director of this series, would do, uh, which apparently went way off book. After the first one, <laughs> from what I understand, um, which I would try to record on VHS, mm-hmm. trying yep. to get it perfectly timed without any of the actual telethons, trying to make it just one. And I failed every time. I failed every time, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh, one time. Um, and I would eat a bowl of whatever clam chowder that I could find because I had never had clam chowder before. So I would get the Progresso or Campbell's version of it in uh, like... Heat induced weather and pretend like I was actually up north during the winter watching this movie because I so desperately wanted to be on Prince Edward Island. I have these mm-hmm. distinct memories. And yeah, again, a reminder Georgia rarely gets below 40 and it's only mm-hmm. for a very short season of time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so I have very fond memories in growing up and loving this movie and I will watch it to this day. I have the DVDs. I've lost those DVDs. I need to find no. them. I know, I know. I've got a few. I think I've, mm-hmm. I was careless and like scratched them up. They're expensive though. They're yes. expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a fun birthday treat to me, because mm-hmm. this is now my birthday month. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I've decided <laughs> that classics will be a theme for us throughout this month, Annie. Are you ready for it? I'm excited. I'm okay. so
0: excited.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and of course, this means there may be a two-parter for this because mm-hmm. I, to me, Anne of Green Gables and Anne of Avonlea were hand-in-hand, hand, which apparently was renamed Anne of Green Gables the sequel.
2: Oh, I didn't know okay. this until
1: later. I, like, I was like, oh, okay. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, I'm very excited to go down this memory lane with you. I hope you're excited.
0: I am excited. So I... The only experience I have with Anne of Green Gables is our local theater. I also grew up in a small town, but we had six channels, mm-hmm. So That's right. We did mm-hmm. have NBC. <laughs>
1: um,
0: <laughs> um, but we had a, a small theater. It could only show one movie at once. And I'm not kidding. At least three times I was there, it like caught on fire. The projector did. <laughs> so that kind of theater. Uh, but one time it did a play of Anne of Green Gables. And it was w- when I was like super into... I thought I could be, like, a star, so I would audition for it. I auditioned for Diana, Uh, uh, because they wanted somebody with red hair for Anne. And my friend Katie, who's been on the show, and specifically came on the episode we did about red hair for women, she, at that point, was already... It's fun, It was funny for me watching this for the first time last night. I was like, "That sounds like Katie," yeah, but she doesn't like her red hair. Right, <laughs> like, being referenced, so she wouldn't. She wouldn't audition. However, a lot of my friends that I grew up with loved *Anne of Green Gables*. And Marissa, who's also been on this show, has done the like Prince Edward Island *Anne of Green oh, Gables*. I want to. I'm hoping she'll share pictures with us because they're super cute. Like you can put on like the hat
1: and it has the braids in it, you know. I'm not sure (laughs) if I can do all that being very, very Asian, but I would want to go see the tours.
0: Yeah. Oh, she had a, it sounds like a delightful time and the pictures are, she's so happy that it makes me very, very happy. Oh, yeah. (laughs) So I'm excited. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Right. So actually, I have a friend who lives on Prince Edward Island right now. And we've talked Mm. about him. I may have to come see you. Mm -hmm. Um, Oh, but in this love, and so people are very aware because I know I'm a bit of a snob about this. I have never read the books. I've never actually read the books Mm, and mm -hmm. so therefore I cannot tell you what is right and wrong with these uh, when it comes to the film versions and y'all there's been a lot a silent film it was actually an animated series in Japan before it was a movie here Um, there have been many renditions including the Mm -hmm. newest one newest and I say newer I guess one Mm -hmm. and with an E on Netflix I have yet to try it because I'm a little bit of a purist in that I saw this one first and I cannot change my perspective on this Mm -hmm. and I'm worried that it's going to change it. And I do understand that the creator was from Breaking Bad, and so she explores the dark side of Anne with an E. Mm-hmm. Makes sense, because there's nothing about this orphan girl who should be happy-dory, like hunky-dory happy in mm-hmm. real life. Like, I said that about Harry Potter, too. So, mm-hmm. um I will put that caveat in. And yes, we are talking exclusively about the movie, so please don't be mad.
0: Mm -hmm. Please
1: don't be mad. (laughs) And I also understand there is a bit of a controversy with Kevin Sullivan's take. Uh, There was a back and forth about ownership, copyright, um, rights to the book, royalties between some of the family and the people who own the rights to versus Kevin Sullivan. It was a huge thing. It went to court in Japan. it went to court in Canada. like there's there's a whole thing. Wow. Um, and I'm not we're not gonna get into that too much at all, but I am very aware and I want y'all to know I'm aware and it does make me feel kind of slimy in that Kevin Sullivan was not completely respectful of the family's wishes. Mm-hmm. but because there was a lot of money to be had, obviously.
0: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
3: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
2: Can I rant for a sec? Please.
1: So, we are talking about the Sullivan Entertainment version of the 1985 miniseries Anne of Green Gables. Are you ready, Annie? Yes, I
0: am ready. And also, I'm very excited uh, for listeners to write in about, like... Is it this version? What? The, the book? I want to know all your favorites. There's a, there's all your th- opinions.
1: And yeah. and, she, and by the way, uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery, who wrote this series in 1908, started with Green Gables and then started many uh, follow-ups to that and was uh, hugely celebrated and loved. Um, so I will never... Uh, dispute anyone on that love. I get it. I get it. Um, Mm -hmm. Feel that same way about Little Women sometimes and a lot about Jane Austen films which we'll talk about later. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes. Uh, So it was originally released as a two-part series in December of 1985 in Canada later released on PBS in February 1986 which is when i moved to the US by the way. Well, July of 86, I guess, Um, and in the UK in 1987. So it had a pretty big hit there. Um, The series was awarded many Gemini Awards. Many of the stars in the movie got awards as well as um, the writers and the directors and the costumes. As well as they won an Emmy Award for Outstanding Children's Series, Peabody Award, and many, many more. Um, and I just discovered that it's only available on Sullivan Entertainment's own streaming service called Gazebo TV. Um, yep. I did not know this until last night because it used to be mm-hmm. able to be rentable on Amazon no longer. Mm. I will tell you this. It is a free streaming service. However, to watch *Anna Green Gables, the classics like the, this one that we're talking about specifically, you do have to buy or rent it. Um, mm-hmm. That's the whole thing. Like I said, they have anniversary series, and it's very expensive from what I gather. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, and, and if you're interested in what kind of shows they stream, it is very early 1900s wholesome series from what I can gather. It seems like it may be the hallmark of Canada type if you like oh. Way Back When Tales.
0: I see. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Just so you know. All mm-hmm. right.
1: Are you ready for the plot? And I try to, I'm going to try to condense this, but I wrote, I'm, I'm like, I'm so excited. I'm so excited about I'm, every part of I'm this. I'm here
0: for it. You ready? Yes. Okay. So we're uh-huh. introduced
1: to Anne Shirley, who was played by Megan Follows, who I've seen her in other things, and it would just strike me as odd because I'm like, that's Anne. Why is she... Uh-huh. Well, that's Anne What's e. going, What's on, going on? But that's okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are introduced to Anne Shirley, an imaginative and talkative orphan who is currently living at the home of the Hammonds who took her in to help with the house and children and is treated pretty cruelly by both Mr. and Mrs. Hammond. But Mr. Hammond dies of a heart attack and Anne is soon seen as an inconvenience and is dropped back off at an orphanage. After six months of being at this said orphanage, uh, we get introduced to Anne's friend or mirror friend, Katie, uh, spelled with a K, Um, and she's given the opportunity to go and live for the Cuthberts on Prince Edward Island, which has a lot of... Tourist value at this point in time. I think it's just gorgeous anyway. But yeah, they yeah. did a lot for tourism on that one. Um, the Cuthbert's mm-hmm. are played by uh, Colleen Dewhurst, who plays Marilla, and Richard Farnsworth, who plays Matthew, the best Matthew that ever existed. I just want that to be said. Um, <laughs> soon after arriving, she bonds very quickly with Matthew because he is quiet and likes to be entertained and loves the fact that she just talks and talks and talks. And it's just so imaginative and out there. Um, And by the way, he lives with his sister on Green Gables, which is a beautiful piece of farmland. She learns that they had intended on adopting a boy to help uh, around the farm and not a girl. Very, very, very sad and says, this is all tragical, which I love. um, And she is told that they would have to send her back. The next day, she and Marilla head back to the orphanage to correct the mistake. When Marilla, after being uh, met with her seemingly enemy... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Has a change of heart and brings her back on a, quote, trial basis. And the heartwarming adventures truly begin. Um, Anne soon learns to pray, which is a whole scene in itself. Learns to apologize with flair and makes friends upon friends upon friends. Uh, She meets her bosom buddy, a kindred spirit Diana Berry uh, who is a neighbor and a schoolmate with raven hair um, mm-hmm. and then she also meets her nemesis and true love Gilbert whom we all love who is played by Jonathan Crombie the best Gilbert there is I'm so sorry <laughs> uh, she excels in her studies and is often in stiff competition with Gilbert for first place in all the school courses but of course uh, his gravest sin against her is calling her carrots on her first day of school and being very sensitive to her red hair uh, she breaks a slate over his head, uh, unapologetically, and never talks to him again. Well, for a while, anyway. (laughs) Um, And, of course, since she is a poor orphan who has never been a part of a real home life, makes many mistakes along the way, including getting her best friend drunk off of current wine, which was a huge debate uh, during the 1900s as, you know, alcohol, not really, uh, Kind of frowned upon, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) And because she also confused it for raspberry cordial because she's never had either. And she's banned Mm -hmm. from ever seeing Diane again because she has become known as the troublemaker, a manipulator, because she's obviously an orphan who manipulates and lies. Throughout the series, mm-hmm. we witness Anne thriving with her new family and her town, her studies and her hard work, eventually led her to being at the top of her class, being placed in a special class to study for her entrance exams to Queen's Academy in Charlottetown, led by her very supportive and other kindred spirit uh, teacher, Miss Muriel Stacy, who uh, she almost fed tainted dessert after forgetting to cover the sauce, resulting in mouse drowning in it. Also a great scene. She was able Mm -hmm. to save the day when she helps save Diana's sister, Minnie Mae, who was sick with the croup and was forgiven and even invited to the Christmas ball. Yay! Marilla Mm -hmm. relented after Matthew was able to talk her into it, allowing her to go to the ball. But first, he bought her her very own gown with puffed sleeves. Very beautiful scene. She soon Mm -hmm. meets Diana's spinster aunt very rich aunt, Josephine Bay, and of course, wins her over with her personality and charm and is invited along with Diana to her home for the exam in Charlottetown. There, she and Diana get to experience the wonders of the city life. Yes. Mm-hmm. Arriving back to Avonlea, summer, summer continues, and so do Anne and Diana's adventures. The young ladies decide to take on one of the scenes of Alfred Tennyson's The Lady of Shalott," which she mentions throughout The movie, uh, which Anne plays the lily maid while floating in a dinghy that springs a leak and gets stuck in the middle of the waters. But along comes Mm -hmm. Gilbert to save the day and the forgiveness he has been seeking for so long from the ill-fated Carrots Day. And she also finds out that she and Gilbert have tied for first place on the exams and she becomes the toast of the town. She soon performs at the hospital fundraiser, getting a standing ovation and had an awkward misunderstanding with Gilbert but then they soon Mm -hmm. leave for college. And there, once again, she excels at her studies, getting the highest award, the Avery Scholarship, uh, beating Gilbert, who... Is second place with gold, uh, but soon returns home. And after she does the tragic death, I can never watch it. I cry. Oh. <laughs> Dear Matthew, uh, Anne decides to stay home with Marilla and start teaching in a nearby town. Gilbert, who has already accepted the teaching position in Avonlea, switches to the two positions so Anne can be in Avonlea while he travels and end with a lovely scene on the bridge with Anne and Gilbert with things yet to come. Yes seen
0: I've never see I've never seen the next one so I was like it's
1: over no <laughs> it just stops there though <laughs> yes i adore this movie and everything about it brings me so much comfort. You would think would not, because I'm watching it now. and I'm like all of the implications about how evil and bad orphans are. And uh, essentially like they're just there for servitude. It could have been triggering, but I think I love the fact that she had such a winning personality and I wanted to be her, um, that she just excelled at everything and disproved everything that people were saying about her. And I wanted to be her. Also, I wanted to live in, Prince Edward Island. And as much as I love her relationship with Gilbert, I loved her relationship with her family and her best friend. Like that to me said everything I wanted growing up, the best friend that I never had. And when I found one, I latched on to one very quickly, as you know. (laughs) But I felt like it just was so heartwarming and it felt so good to watch that I had those memories that spring in my head and I adore it. Um, And I want to know what did you think about the movie? I really
0: enjoyed it i I wasn't sure what to expect. Um I'll admit when I saw the three hour runtime, I was like, "Oh boy, okay.
1: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I didn't think about that at all.
0: No, no, it was all good um i i It was beautiful, and I would say hats off to all the actors in it because they really sold it, and it was very charming and won me over very quickly and it was it was kind of like a nice wholesome, like, there were definitely mishaps. A lot of mishaps. Yes. But the way it did it, it wasn't, like, I feel like in a usually in a movie structure, there's, like, the one terrible thing that happens, and then what happened? But you kind of were, like, there was something about the timing and pacing of it, I guess, that I really enjoyed. Yeah. It was like, oh, here's this thing. Here's this beat. Here's this beat. But with a general understanding, like, there's going to be sad stuff, but it's kind of going to work out. There's definitely some sad things, but, uh, and yeah, it was just beautiful. And I did love I loved all of the Anne's dramaticness. I thought was very funny. Her quoting yes. and her very like <laughs> tragical, as you said, like yes. things like that. Um, no, I, I really, really enjoyed it. And I was sad when it was done. I was like, Oh no, I can tell there's so much more to go. <laughs> <laughs>
1: and there is Annie. There Mm -hmm. is. But you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot to this. When I was looking up all of the articles, of course, there was a lot of comparison to the new series, to the old, and what uh, was happening. Is it better? Is it not better? I do understand. I think, like I said, Anne with an E was on the darker side, uh, exploring. Apparently, she does have PTSD, and that's that scene. I know the book, I think, was a little more dark than the actual uh, 1985 series, from what I gathered trigger warning y'all for child abuse that he dies mr hammond at the beginning dies while he was whipping her so in mm-hmm. the movie he dies while he's yelling at his employees so it wasn't really noted mm-hmm. to that level so yeah i mean that's pretty horrendous um mm-hmm. in itself and again like i said about many of these movies like the savior child or the good child or whatever they they may be okay but they would have had to have a lot of therapy because there's a lot of trauma there um, that we would Mm -hmm. need to look at but they kind of glazes over that which I think may be part of the appeal for me as well I'm like man I wish I would have had none of the baggage just this happiness and hope Mm -hmm. but yes there's a lot of articles out there about why it touched so many people there's even an article and we're going to talk about it a little more about the feminism of Anna Green Gables more of the novel but we kind of can uh, extrapolate and put that into the film because it had that same uh intention Because even though the, the romance is there, it's really not a big plot. It's a side plot. No. And I love that. Mm-hmm. Me too. It
0: was certainly like, I, as you said, the relationship with the family and her friend Diana were the like hearts of it to me. And I, I really enjoyed that as well. That it was sort of like, maybe this romance thing will happen, maybe it won't. But this is the important. I want right. my bosom friend. I want to find my friend. Right. Like, I love it. Mm-hmm. I
1: love it. Yeah, so let's go ahead and talk about uh, the themes of this movie. And, and again, it's such a long movie. There's so many things that we can pull apart and pull out, but we do want to talk, focus on specific things that uh, meant a lot to us and I think mm-hmm. it's important to talk about, which women as their own heroines, which I really, really loved this bit. And I'm going to read from that study I was telling you about, which talks about the feminism of Anna Green Gables, because I think it's really interesting that they talked about how... This was not Anine Gables is not considered feminist by most part. No one would really say that. They just think that it's a classic and you move on. Um, but when you look at, again, the look at the heroines and the independence in here that we see, and we're going to talk a little more about that, that these women kind of work for themselves, and I think about that with Miss uh, Stacy. I think about that, which uh, we'll get to revisit her next season. The next one along uh but think mm-hmm. about her in that way even Rachel Lynn who is the busybody but she is kind of the heroine of her own household that makes sense the leader mm-hmm. in that Marilla mm-hmm. making her own pathways like and, and having a successful life even if it doesn't seem fulfilled as well as uh Miss uh, Miss Barry the spinster who is fine mm-hmm. and happy on her own
0: yeah yeah there were plenty of examples of women who were unmarried, not really portrayed in a romantic light. And like Miss Barry, the the spinster <laughs> who Anne kind of made friends with, says, you know, sometimes I wish things had been different because uh, she'd been so focused on money or whatever. So it's not like it was painted as this is so much better. But it was interesting to see so many portrayals right. of, of women without men right. or even, even if they had a man wasn't really the focus or in the picture right. like
1: <laughs> and it wasn't desolate right. like it, it seemed kind right. of but it could have gone there but they don't um no. but yeah one of the things that ta- we talked about about like yeah I would see like her being her own hero kind of making her own pathway uh being a f- forward feminist thinking. In in, in this uh, text they talk about, they actually quote, uh, say, for a long time, so-called girl stories, like this one, were not recognized as literary texts and ignored by most literary scholars, whereas children's literature in general was a subject to scholarly studies. Girl stories were often overlooked by critics, most of whom were male. And I think that's really true because mm-hmm. as much as we go back and forth about the old tales, it, we talked about how it gets romanticized and then pushed to the side as romance, so therefore it's not literary of course, mm-hmm. we would still call it classics today. It would come a long way, but at that point in time, it really wasn't. And here's a children's story that talks about an up-and-coming child who focuses on herself for the first book, from what I understand. Uh, but in this first movie, not being really seen as serious and or a model for other girls, which I find interesting because that's not true like what if we look at the character of Anna of Green Gables it spawned a big fanhood like it may not be to the level that we see with Harry Potter or Twilight today because we don't swoon over characters and or maybe that's not a magical world but there was a diehard fandom I was a part of it of Anna of Green Gables and a love that we have for this and seeing these women or seeing these characters as heroes.
0: Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
3: Snag a Job is where America goes to hire, with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. So visit Snagajob.com or text SNAG to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire.
0: When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all.
1: Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Tune in every
0: other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more
1: accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking an Intel Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: One of the things that stood out to me, and we've talked about this recently, um, is I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop with like, Anne was so good at her studies. She was so smart. So I kept waiting for Diana to be like, I can't be your friend anymore, other than the cordial incident, but like her personally. Um, and you did have that one character. What was her name? Josephine. There was the one character that oh, was Josie a woman Fied. who was. Yes. But otherwise, like, yeah, you got the teacher who's a woman who's supportive of Anne and like, no, we, you're so smart. We can make this happen. You've got Miss Barry and you've got Diana. And I liked that they were all like, no, you're so... We want to see how far you can go. Like, we're going to support you. And there was also the scene with Diana where she was like, no, I like Gilbert too. And I was like, oh, here it comes. But it was much more like, no, it's okay. Like, if you're
1: interested, I didn't know. If you were interested, I liked it. I appreciated it. Yeah, there's a love there and a bond. But that's the other part is like being honest and communicating together. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. also she saved someone's life she saved many because she had been through so many trials and knew how to take care of children she was able to Mm -hmm. save this child's life and it's a gorgeous gorgeous look at what she can do um, as someone who has always had to fend for herself I also had an issue and I do want to come back and say how did that kid cry like that like I don't think that kid's good an actor like that did they do something to make her cry like that i've always thought that i know mm. Slide <laughs> in the back of my head i'm like i hope that kid's okay
0: yeah.
1: uh, <laughs> but then we move on to of course the obvious at the very beginning is the orphan person because that's a big thing when it comes to stories like this feel good stories whatever whatnot um, this one has a little more heavy leaning and understanding that they were seen as property and or brought into uh to be a servant in the home or a caretaker in the home to lighten the load, not necessarily to care for. Um, and I don't think that attitude was an, uh, uncommon in the early 1900s, 1800s. That was a thing. And and unfortunately, children were used and abused and all that. Of course, we don't get into that too much, uh, just just the implication of that. Uh, so, of course, we are so excited to see her grow out of that. But we do see that conversation happening Especially during the Industrial Revolution, when we talk about all of that as well. Mm-hmm. But then, for Anne specifically, as you were mentioned, the redhead stigma. Yeah. Of the early 1900s. Yeah. Oof.
0: It was everywhere, and again, because I have my friend Katie, and because she experienced this so much, every time I was like, "Oh, there! Oh, yeah, there it is! Oh, there it is!" And it kind of it did make me sad because it was clear she internalized it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And was just desperate for... Her. She tried to dye her hair. Yes. And it went horribly awry. It Horrible, went horribly Her hair
1: was so cute when she cut it. I was like, oh.
0: Yeah, yeah. So she dyed it. She tried to dye it black, right? And mm. then it went green. Yep. <laughs> it went green. So she had to cut it. And it was super cute when she cut it. But I know, like, when you're... I don't want to diminish anything at all because, like, when you're a kid, those kinds of things are huge. Right. That's so big and so... can hurt so bad and so embarrassing. And even as an adult, but I just know... I think as adults, we tend to dismiss that kind of stuff. Yeah. But it is huge. It is... We shouldn't dismiss it. But yeah, for her to have that kind of constant... And that's what my friend had said. Like, it's the first thing people say when they meet her all the time is, like, about your hair. And clearly, for Anne it had been stigmatized. It was something she didn't like about herself. Yeah. It felt like it made her ugly. And so when it was like constantly brought up, uh you just got to see this very angry side right. <laughs> of Anne, but also the insecure side, the yeah. insecurity. Of having it constantly brought up.
1: I mean, she has a temper. She does not hold back. She, uh, no. we know this. She defends herself, and I appreciate that.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she, and she's got a way with words. Yeah. So, as you said, like, we get to see, it's kind of fun to get her to, like, really give, like, Rachel Lynn, for instance, like, really Which cut her down to size. Yes. <laughs> but then to see her kind of do her, like, apology that she, I won't say it's like, fake, but she's doing it as an act because she loves, like, the dramatics of language (laughs) and putting words together. Like, to see that kind of dichotomy and Rachel Lynn being totally, like, buying it 100% is very fun.
1: (laughs) It is. Uh, And then, of course, with the orphan girl is the idea that she's wild and... Untamable, which kind of is implied by Rachel Lynn at the very beginning, talking about she's just wild and oh my gosh, so rude Mm -hmm. and so uncivilized. We see that, and that's kind of that thing. It's kind of uh, what we see that's always a part of her, which wants to run free. Like she's this like independence that has always been her, uh, as much as she wants to belong, she also wants to be free. Is that mm-hmm. conversation, which we find out more into the sequel. Uh, I'm just saying, um, <laughs> another part of this, and I don't know. I think we, you and I have talked about how growing up, we would make we would uh, make believe specific eras. For me, I loved 1900s, early 1900s. For me, I would imagine what it would be like to write by candlelight, which sounds horrible because I can't see today, <laughs> so I don't think uh, that's great. But as a kid, uh-huh. like I had those long dresses and and sitting by the fire and not having electricity, what that would be like which was Mm -hmm. this. So between this and Little Women, I was really caught up. Uh, Mm -hmm. But I love that this is a part of Anne's world where she has so much imagination, which she talks about as a strength, and it is, and where everybody else tried to take that away from her, telling her to get her heads out of the clouds, these unrealistic expectations. But she lives in it and loves in it and thrives in it. And it's been something that has been able to carry her on through all the bad parts, even when people are mean. And she honestly talks about the fact that when Rachel Lynn doesn't have any imagination and she doesn't can't understand why these bad things may happen or these things that happen, but she does, and so she's there. She's able to have compassion on people. You know, that's what she kind of implies. Uh, we see her talking about how rich people don't have much imaginations because they don't have to dream it up because they have
0: mm-hmm. it. Mm -hmm. In that illusion.
1: Like, I loved that theme so much. And growing up in my own trauma, and I know you know this, that's what we did. We had to have imagination to survive the next day. Yeah. And I I really loved that, too, because
0: I love how I feel like the imagination we see depicted in children a lot in movies. We do see kind of the like trauma I'm imagining my way out, definitely. But a lot of times, I liked how Anne had this kind of like, you don't even have the imagination to imagine the bad part of this. Yes, like, I like yeah. how she was kind of looking at both. She was like, I can imagine much better, I can imagine much worse, and you can't imagine either. You have no imagination.
1: Right. Yes. <laughs> Which I really appreciated. Right. And she created a friend. She Katie, did. Katie, Catherine with a K, because mm-hmm. she needed someone. And she talks about wanting to be in that world, wanting to be in, in the mirror world and how beautiful that would be. And mm-hmm. this is what she did to survive, especially six months of uh, being uh, in an orphanage, which we never hear or talk about again after meeting Diana, which is gorgeous and beautiful. I love it.
3: Um, mm-hmm. And of
1: course, another big part of this is family, finding family, finding belonging uh, with both uh, Marilla and Matthew having two sides of the same coin one really tough, but still loving, one really kind hearted, but quiet like just having that in our life. It is such a gorgeous picture. I just really like the fact that it's an unconventional family who found balance.
0: Yeah, I liked that too, because of, of, at first, and I blame heteronormative material, I assumed that they were together, like Matthew and Marilla. Um, and then I found out, oh, Marilla's got this kind of tragic like love story in her past and a brother and sister. I like how Matthew was pretty immediately like, no, I think... And should, would be good for us. It seems to kind of know Marilla will arrive at the same, <laughs> the same understanding. Um, but it was cool. It was. It was. Yeah. It was just a really good like foil for each other because Matthew was so quiet, but he was much more like openly entertained, whereas Marilla was more outspoken, but kind of like hiding her affection and her entertainment. And Anne, of course, is just like open at everything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Um and so it them was connected.
0: Yeah. yeah, it was it was a lovely thing to see. Um and it it was very I liked seeing all of them interact with each other and kind of grow with each other. And I, I love the like eventual fondness. Like with Matthew, it was always there, but eventually it, it kind of became more oh, I'll get her this dress, even though I'm so embarrassed and I don't know what to do. Um, Because Anne really wants it. And with Marilla, it became much more like, from how do you get in all these troubles, child, to how do you get, like a fond, like how do you do this?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Which they adore. Fun Mm -hmm. facts. Now this is, I cannot remember where I found this or if I watched this during uh, one of the behind the scenes things. But apparently the actress, Colleen Dewhurst, was somewhat vulgar and would kind of like, make jokes and, and like and laugh and like all these things behind the scene uh, mm-hmm. and the kids really loved her uh, which I believe Megan Follis was 16. so she was pretty young. Uh, she was playing yeah. an 11 12 year old so older but not the significant that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the next uh, sequel she plays an 18 19 year old so she kind of fits into that she even looks older then though I don't even know how mm-hmm. um, But she fits that age age range at that point in time. but apparently like that's what I had read. No, don't mm-hmm. quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure I'd read that. She was kind of one of those people, because she was a famous uh, stage actress. And she was a mm-hmm. famous actress at that point already, Colleen Dewhurst. Um, and then for uh, Farnsworth, who played uh, Matthew, he was actually a stuntman. Oh, and this was really? one of his first acting gigs. Uh, and eventually mm-hmm. he did win awards, but still, best Matthew. <laughs> That's Matthew. I still hold to that. It was great. Mm-hmm. Oh, so good. Um, and then, yes, we couldn't uh, not talk about the friendships. The friendship oh, which yeah. she had been aching for because she had been so alone. And she just knew it existed and it was out there. And it was. Uh, she builds so many good bonds. But Diana, her bosom, kindred spirit. I love the relationship so, so much. And poor Diane, I felt like she was like, what is happening and who is yeah. this girl?
0: <laughs> yeah, I love it too because it reminded me of when I was nine years old. I lived in a small town. Uh, our houses at that time were pretty spread apart in the area I lived in. and um, My friend Katie the redhead who I've been talking about, she, when I was nine, she moved into a house that was near me. And I swear, like, I was like, what is her phone number? I need to call her. We're going to hang out. We're going to be best friends. Like, so this scene where Anne was like, we're going to be best friends. And Diana's kind of like, what? I feel like I did that. I feel like (laughs) I lived that. And we're still best friends. Um, And I love it. And I think, like, we get so many depictions of poor friendships between women in media, but it's clear like this longing is real for that like your kindred spirit, your soulmate who is a friend, uh friendships between women. Um and I, I loved it. Like I said, I kept waiting for the other shoe to drop and it really didn't. Um, it doesn't, Annie. It
1: doesn't they
0: were solid friendship, they were bosom friends.
1: They're I amazing. Love it. Uh, my favorite mm-hmm. scene is the walking in the forest after she falls off the roof scene.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: the the way that she scares herself it is so fantastic. I feel like I don't know about you. I, I'm sure you have many stories, but I had a, a a friend of mine we would do silly things like that that would cause us to get into trouble or make some make believe thing mm-hmm. and I loved it and I miss those days a little bit, not not enough to actually call them. But, you know, stuff like that that is like wow. Mm -hmm. the imagination the things that bond you too
0: oh yeah I mean me and my friend Katie we would go in the woods and we would literally like take turns telling each other about the sand creature under the leaves (laughs) and it's coming (laughs) and it can't hear you like it was so fun it was such a like glorious we spent a whole like
1: afternoon just doing that and there was nothing there
2: it was, right, there was
1: nothing, it was just your imagination, which we love. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, I love her usage of kindred spirit. Like, I love those terms so much. I think that would be the vibe check now. Because if I mm-hmm. pass the vibe check, um, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, but like the kindred spirits, the idea that you can connect with a person, and though that you may not be able to see it, the way you connect, they are the one who is on the same level as you and in spirit with you. And that's, uh, I just love that so much.
0: Much. i do too and i again like i also love none of that was in the romantic context no. all of that was just the no we are yeah we are on the same level we are connecting and it was all women from my memory yeah, like, yeah.
1: no matthew was a kindred spirit
0: oh matthew Mm-hmm. yeah
1: but <laughs> there's nothing romantic definitely <laughs> no. like it's a connection an understanding that you you mm-hmm. get me Mm-hmm. You get my ways. Yes, <laughs> The level of the like, small town, the conversations, you know, the first scene, like the, the third, fourth scene at the beginning, we see Rachel Lynn watching Matthew in his suit, traveling not on a Sunday with a pipe. Yep. Oh my God, what's happening?
0: hmm And you know? then that's kind of the kerfuffle at the mm-hmm. end with Gilbert and Anne is that he offered her to her a ride. She accepted it. Then he offered her, like, well, I'll take you to this concert she was going to perform at. She accepted it. And then it was, like, the talk of the town. And <gasps> she was like, oh, no, never mind. I won't go with him. Uh, Diana, like, <laughs> give him this note. I'm not you going. Go yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but that's, I mean, I know it kind of, like, you know, bingo card, Swinty bingo card, it'd be me and Samantha from a small town. But it is true. Like, these things are true and real, and they influence your decisions.
1: (laughs) I remember my mother saying, so I heard you were driving a little too fast in town. We need to talk. Yes. What? Yes. What?
0: It's like the tiniest, (laughs) like, I heard you get the milkshake at Wendy's or whatever. Right. You shouldn't be doing that. And it's like, who saw me?
1: How? (laughs) Who told on me who's not? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do love that. And then we have the independent women, uh Old Maid, slash, it's according to how you look at it. And we talked mm-hmm. about it before, about the, all the strong, really independent women who still has a lingering of guilt. So we're going to talk about the fact that this is like the feminism probably of the 1900s, like Montgomery did want st- to establish probably these characters, I could be wrong. Uh, in being alone, but they could not be completely happy because at that point in time, you really, a single woman should not be. Correct?
0: Right, right. It was definitely, as I said, um, the older Mrs. Miss Berry um, said, like, you know, I got the money, but sometimes that's not, sometimes I missed, I think I missed out or that's not everything. And I felt like the implication was maybe you should look at Gilbert Ann. Maybe I'm wrong. And that that's a fine, like, opinion to have. But then there was also throughout kind of this understanding of if you pursue your independence as a woman, you won't get the man. So even, like, there were plenty of independent women throughout, which I loved. But the implication also was, like, they're independent so they couldn't get the man. Right. And then, also throughout, there was this kind of, like, with Anne, I'd rather be beautiful than smart. Like, you can't be both. You have to be beautiful or smart. So I feel like... This is kind of the early understanding of a woman can't have it all. She has to either be kind of the the homemaker, beautiful to get the man, or the independent, smart woman who will never get the man. And this is all right. very heteronormative, and I don't I don't believe this.
1: But this is right. No, kind but this is the 1900s, and when we talk about, yeah. and we will talk about uh, Jane Austen, that was that similar. Uh, phase as well, but we know that Jane Austen's history was a little dark uh, in her own life because of that very conversation about uh, not necessarily that you can't have it all, but more so that women are not going to survive without a man. And if you Mm -hmm. try to do it, you're going to fail. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's so therefore trying to be that way with the most independence that you can have, uh, which mm-hmm. is what she is trying to do. You see this in the same way. Miss Stacy is a prime example of coming in, her loving her life or uh, and looking up to her and seeing her as a role model. And then Miss Stacy saying, I have my own troubles. We don't right. know what those troubles are. and But she's gone. And we know that it, it pretty much ran her out of Avonlea mm-hmm. for what reason, we don't know. But she was one of the best teachers from what we can tell. That was there. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the dude before was literally courting one of the women, one of the kids well, the, the kid, at that the school. Students. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, am I misreading okay the situation? No. were i misreading that situation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and although it was frowned upon eventually, but it was like, wow, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And he did not like Anne, but... He knew she was smart. Like, all of those things. Like, we know that that's what happened. We know that there's an implication here. Marilla says the same. People people talk about her behind her back for losing yeah. love, essentially. Yeah. Not as much as on Matthew, even though he yeah. is alone. But, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, on top of that, I do love the scene where Miss Stacy comes and talks to them about the, the dead mouth scene. Uh, right. About her doing the extra classes. And Marilla says, I've always thought... That a young woman should have uh, should be prepared to make their own living, just in Mm -hmm. case, in these uncertain times. Which I'm like, that's 1900s. Go ahead, Marilla, you are really progressive. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. But yeah, you're right. That was a
0: conversation too, throughout. Of like, there was a lot of that small town, like talking behind people's backs, and for Marilla to to be alone and to have like quote lost this love clearly people were kind of talking about it and sort of raising their eyebrow
1: and at they come back and what to she that, was Anne. doing. Anne. Okay. Anne, not Anne. Anne. I feel like I'm becoming Anne. Uh, you are now. I can't, I can't stop it. Uh-huh. And you know, also, I love that they actually do focus on Anne's uh, academics on all of that. Like they do push her to become more and they are celebrating her for being so smart. There's no yeah. conversation about you're not going to get man if you're too smart. Well, mm-hmm. kind of. Of course, Rachel has a one word to say, no. but then Marilla cuts her off very quickly. Uh, but mm-hmm. outside of that, people celebrate this. They, people are pushing her to be this. This is competition is fierce, and people are celebrating, including Gilbert. Including Gilbert.
0: Including Gilbert. And I mean, again, when I was like, oh, this is from early 1900s, I was like, oh, wow. Because at that time, I'm... That was pretty uncommon um, right. <laughs> to see or to hear. And there was certainly like a, a layer of like, it was very minimal actually, but there was a layer of like, wow, look at what she can do as like an orphan and a woman. But mostly it was just like, yeah, you get, get it. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about how she's doing Avonlea proud, and she mm-hmm. is. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love that. I think that's it, it, like, it is so progressive for a time being. Again, if this is different in the books, please let us know because I do want to know. I don't think it's too far for it, uh, far string for this one. But I, I love that whole avenue that she loves studying. She loves being on top and she's going to be on top. Hell Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, which leads into like this is the feminism in 1900s, right? So the conversation in this uh, paper that I am talking about uh, talks about the fact that, yes, she celebrates her being independent and a little bit wild and doing her own thing and being imaginative, but eventually still comes to as she, as she grows accustomed to society and cultural norms, she does settle into, I just I'm just gonna be a teacher staying at home and settling down. Mm-hmm. And spoiler alert, in the books, marries Gilbert and has children, and that's her story. That's that not the end of the story, but she does end up these ways which she was so fearful of of partially in, in, in other ways. So it's really interesting to see, but it's kind of how we'll talk about and how I see it with Jane Austen. For what it was, it's revolutionary, but for today's Sanders, it's not so great
0: Not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life.
1: PNC Bank. Brilliantly boring since
0: 1865. Brilliantly boring since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC.
3: Snag a job is where America goes to hire. With the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring.
1: Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. But they also talk about the idea of ecofeminism in Anne of Green Gables, uh, giving up the connection to nature and becoming uh, a proper lady. So the idea is you let go of the natural wild person, the untainted from civilized society, quote unquote, uh, to become a part of the norm, uh, to be a proper lady. And so they kind of have this whole breakdown. Uh, it's a Swedish paper, by the way, about it. And they break down the orphan Annie, the young Annie, to adult Annie, and how it has changed her um the idea that's combining feminist aspects and eco critical aspects, that in order to argue that Anne's wilderness, so quote Anne's wildness and her fearless freedom from society's pressing judgments are highly connected to her own connection to nature. So it has this whole level of of her, and and like when you see her come into Avonlea, she's like, oh my. God, like she is actually awestruck for a second about the beauties of it. And when we talk about her going into the city life, quote unquote, she talks about how she misses and, and longs for the sounds and the quietness of Avonlea. But the fact like the comparing her when she was not a part of society, when she was not a proper lady, and she was just a wild orphan versus what happens to her when she does become that. Does her feminism change a little bit? Has that taken that away from her? And this big, like, part of who she is in society, has she tamed herself and kind of stepped away from her feminism to become a part of the patriarch, which is the societal norm <laughs> of that time and of today even. And I found that very interesting in this conversation because, again, when we talk about the academics of uh, Anne and her her pursuits, and again, you'll see in in the sequel. Of course, this is talking about the books, but in the sequel of the movie, yeah, it kind of explores that longing to be independent and to travel and to be adventurous. But then coming back to, eh, eh, but what am I missing? Yeah.
0: I think that... That is the question, Smith. I mm-hmm. think that is a question that is huge for a lot of, of women that we've talked about before because, like... There are just certain structural systemic things that are hard to escape. Right. And I think that it's, you know, if you want to, you find somebody, you love them in this heteronormative sense a man and a woman, you love them, you get married. We can't deny that there are still structural things in favor of the man and the relationship and the woman. So it's like, it's hard to escape, I guess is what I'm saying. And so Mm -hmm. when you talk about like the city life, it almost feels like you're talking about, oh, how do I fit into these structures that we have in place? And for this in particular, there's sort of this dichotomy of her, uh, like, you know, at Green Gables, in the wild, um, being very like independent, uh, and then her going in, to the city, which she also likes, and she says, and she wants to experience those things. Right. But it requires a certain level of conformity to not be, like, shunned from society. <laughs>
1: right. Right. And mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I think that's kind of her whole thing, is to fit in. But if she's going to be seen, she wants to be seen in the best light. Um, and what does that look like in this type of society? Uh, I did mm-hmm. want to go into one thing that this paper says... It says, another thing that appears in the novel is the wish to fit in, um, to be normal. Regarding this, one can also see strong connection between women and nature and was forced to cave to society, both regarding the feminist and the eco-critical aspects of her life and adapt accordingly. Um, again, this is about the novel, but I think it's chosen the movie and just kind of that theme and, in general about like, I am my own person and don't take my spirit from me. But at the same time, yes, I do have to acclimate and or stand out. In the best way possible
0: right yeah exactly because i think she it was a a very fine line she was walking because the reason she got a lot of the attention she did was because she didn't fit in and so especially like Mm -hmm. i'm thinking of the older miss barry who's like oh you make me laugh oh and i really like you you speak your mind and a lot of people in this city life don't but then at the same time it was her having to figure out you know you can't do these things without having to do this kind of drawn out apology even if the other person was in the wrong or or a bunch of things she had to learn and had to adapt to that does feel a bit of like a taming and I'm not saying like sometimes you get angry even if it's somebody in the wrong you got to apologize but a lot of it felt kind of like she was having to learn to kind of close this part off and fit in.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. (sighs) Yes. There's so much (laughs) like there's so much more I probably could go into and if we really wanted I could just expand upon uh, many ideals of her like even with the dress trying to be pretty and being the best of everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trying to impress Marilla Mm -hmm. but also show appreciation. Mm -hmm. There's so many to this. Yes. And I don't believe I'm sorry. Maybe I, I'm. I'm going to have people maybe at me. Maybe the younger generation. Megan follows is Anne to me, and will always be. And Jonathan Crumb will always be Gilbert. It's kind this of. Is, I have this similar opinion about uh, *Sense and Sensibility* about uh, uh, Colin, Colin Firth being the only Darcy. I will fight you. I will I, fight you.
0: Oh, my God. I want to start like a bracket. I love this. Because my friend Marissa, I, who I said, she loves Anne Green Gables. She said the very same thing. Yeah. She said the very same thing. So... I, I'm all about it. I'm all about it. <laughs> um, I want to come back and do... I think we should do the next one. I think all we should right. do the sequel. Oh, I'm, so,
1: I'm so ready. Let's go. Okay.
0: Me too. Me too. Well, look out for that, listeners. And send <laughs> your opinions Please, our way.
1: What? Are you ready to fight me? Come on. Okay.
0: Go <laughs> don't fight me. <laughs> I love it because I remember you were like, this is my version of Star Wars. I was like, I'm so happy. I'm so excited.
2: <laughs> I want to
0: see it. I want to see it. Um, well, you can send those opinions to our email, which is stuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at Stuff Podcast or on Instagram at Stuff I Never Told You. Thanks, as always, to our super producer, Christina. Thank you, Christina. Yes. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.